presence of God this morning. Amen. Just remain where you are this morning. We've got a few things we want to do today. First of all, uh, we're going to take an opportunity this morning. I want Brother Daniel and Sister Moesha to just come uh, down here and stand with me today. Some of you may not know, but this Sunday, today, is Brother Daniel and Sister Moesha's last day here in Fort Myers. Tell your neighbor for now. <laughs> and uh, Brother Daniel, Sister Moesha, uh, due to some extenuating circumstances and uh, some challenges with his father's health, uh, have felt that it be appropriate for them to uh, go back to Birmingham, Alabama uh, for this season. And while we hate to see them uh, leave, we understand that we want God to have his way in their lives and in their family's life. Amen. And uh, my, my prayer is that they'll be back home very soon. Amen. But we want to take a moment, Brother Daniel, Sister Moesha, I want you to know how much I love you both and how much uh, we believe in you both. And we are praying that God's perfect will would be accomplished and that his hand would be upon you uh, as you make your journey to Birmingham, Alabama this week. And I was, was wondering if you would just stretch your hands in this direction. And First Lady, I'd like you to come and join me as we pray over Brother Daniel and Sister Moesha this morning. Would you lift your voice with me and help me pray this morning, Lord? Let's give God a praise today. Amen. 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 Daniel, Sister Moesha, we pray that God's hand be upon you, that his favor shine down upon you, and that he goes before you everywhere you place your feet. Amen. Amen. We love you. Would you help me one more time? Give them a great big hand clap of love. What a privilege it is to be standing in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I don't know about you, but I shouldn't even be here today. I should be six feet under. I should have lost my mind. I shouldn't have a family. Come on, is there anybody that's just grateful today that you're standing in the house in the presence of God today? Amen. While you're standing, I want to take, a, or rather, you, you can be seated for a few moments. I want to take a moment 
this morning to welcome all of our first-time guests into the house of the Lord. Would you help me put your hands together one more time, Rock Church? We can do a little bit better than that. Help me make some noise and welcome all of our first-time guests that are here today. If you are a first-time guest here at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation when you walked through the doors. And if you're here this morning for the first time and you did not receive one, if you would just slip your hand in the air, one of our staff members will bring one to you. But this is an invitation to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you simply as a token of appreciation on our behalf that you would take time out of your day to come and worship with us here this morning. We have a little understanding here at the Rock Church that you're only a guest for five minutes. After that, we want you to know that you're at home here at the Rock Church. Amen, Rock Church. Would you turn around and touch everybody's hand within 360 degree turn of you? Tell them welcome home this morning. Come on, they're behind you, they're in front of you. Tell them welcome home, welcome home. Amen. We are so, so excited, so grateful that you're here today. Amen. I want to welcome home for their very first service as husband and wife, Brother Judah and Sister Alina Williams. Come on, would you help me give them a great big resounding welcome home today? Amen. Amen. We're, we are so excited about what God is doing in their life. And uh, we, of course, uh, as a family, are so thankful uh, for the blessings of the Lord upon us. And uh, we're so grateful they're home today. And then I want to take a moment to welcome, uh, to welcome home today the Jordan family, Brother Darian sister holly who's on vacation until wednesday and uh kelly and bella would you help me give them a resounding hand clap of welcome come on they're home at fort myers today they just relocated all the way from spokane washington amen and uh and and i have known uh, this family for quite some time and of course, they are related to the, the Whitmire clan. And uh, we want them to know how much we love them and how excited we are about God's future for their life here in Fort Myers. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and it would be remiss of me not to welcome back home Brother Andy Whitmire this morning, who just moved back home this week. Would you help me give him a great big resounding welcome back home today? We love Brother Andy. Amen. And if you don't know, he's single, ready to mingle, make your phone jingle. Look at you in the eyes with a little twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out, Brother Andy. All kidding aside, we love him. We're so glad that he's home. And uh, a couple of dates and reminders that I want to bring before you. Somebody shout November the 5th. 
Sunday, November 5th. Make sure you've got that blocked out on your calendar. It is going to be the 10th pastoral anniversary celebration and the 25th church anniversary celebration for the Rock Church. Woo! We're going to have a Holy Ghost party up in here, up in here. And if you don't know what that means, ask your kids when you get home. Amen. But November 5th is going to be a great, great time. And uh, Bishop Paul Elder will be our special guest that Sunday morning. This, of course, is my, my pastor, uh, my father in the gospel. And uh, what an honor it will be to have him here helping us celebrate that Sunday. And uh, there is more information to follow, but we are going to have an absolute party after church on Sunday. You are not going to want to miss it. And we want any and everybody who is a part of this church or who has ever been connected to this church uh, to come and celebrate with us. It's going to be a great time again. That is no Sunday, November the 5th. And there will be more details uh, forthcoming. So be patient with us. Those will be coming out to you as soon as possible. And then the next announcement I want to make is a reminder that First Lady and I are co-hosting, along with Dr. and Sister Johnny King, a trip to Israel next year. Amen. And it is absolutely going to be incredible. This is an exclusive trip for this church. Amen. And I, I can't think of a more incredible opportunity to visit the Holy Land than to be able to do it with your church family. Amen. And uh, First Lady and I have had the privilege of going before. And I can tell you that it will be a life-changing experience. And uh, the trip is going to be December the 4th through the 13th of next year. Tell your neighbor next year. What does that mean? That means you've got plenty of time to get your money together and prepare to go. Amen. It is going to be a very limited seating. Uh, we've made the decision along with Dr. King to only take one bus, one tour bus. Uh, what that does is it improves the trip uh, exponentially when you don't have to coordinate two different buses uh, at all of the different stops. And it is going to be uh, eight days that is absolutely packed, full of incredible, uh, incredible experiences. Uh, this is just a brief, brief summary. Uh, the first day we will arrive in Tel Aviv. And then on the second day, we will be visiting uh, Tel Aviv, uh, and then Joppa. On the third day, we will be visiting Caesarea by the sea, Mount Carmel, Tel Megiddo, Gideon's Spring. Uh, we are going to be seeing some incredible ancient artifacts that are in place there. And we will be visiting the Sea of Galilee. Then we will be visiting Capernaum, Chorazin, Hazor, Dan, Caesarea Philippi. We're going to be visiting the Jordan Valley, Bet Shean, Gilgal, 
Jericho, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea. We are going to visit the ancient city of Masada. Absolutely breathtaking. Uh, we are going to Qumran. If you didn't know, that's where they found the majority of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, we are going to visit En Gedi, the St. George Monastery. We will be walking down Jericho Road. We are going to visit the Davidson Center, the southern steps of the temple, the Western Wall Plaza, the Rabbinical Tunnels, the Pool of Bethesda, St. Anne's Church of Shiloh. We are going to uh, watch an incredible sound and light show there in Jerusalem. We will be visiting the Tower of David, uh, otherwise known as the City of David. We will be visiting uh, Mount Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, the City of David, Warren's Shaft, the Pool of Siloam, Herodian Street, and the Israel Museum. We will be visiting the Garden Tomb, the Upper Room, King David's Tomb, and, and more. Tell your neighbor, and more. Needless to say, it is going to be a week packed with life-changing experiences. And uh, we want everybody that can to avail themselves of this opportunity. And it is going to be on a first-come, first-serve basis. Uh, the trip is $3,699.99. And uh, that does not include your airfare. What that does include is all land transportation, four and five star hotels every night that we are there, daily all you can eat buffet breakfasts and dinners. Somebody clapped right there. No, didn't clap for Jericho, didn't clap for the Pool of Bethesda, didn't clap. They clap for all you can eat buffets. <laughs> what did you do in Israel? All you can eat buffets, baby. That's a that's how we enjoy it. That's how you know you're in the Holy Land. God bless God. <laughs> it's going to include your breakfast, your dinners, all tips and entrance fees into all of those. The only thing you'll need to supply is your airfare there uh, along with uh, any lunch money and money that you may want to take for spending on souvenirs. And so this is going to be the trip of a lifetime and uh, again, you do not want to wait. You have over a year to prepare. And here in the next week or two, maybe at the longest, we will be collecting the first deposit. And then you can set up pay monthly payment arrangements uh, so that it's easy to knock that out before next year gets here. And so uh, as we mentioned last time we made the announcement, we've already got about half of the list completed so there's not a lot of room left. And so this morning, following the service, if you are interested in going on this trip, you need to see Sister Sloss, wave your hand there in the sound booth. You need to see her immediately so that she can get your name in order and uh, make sure that we get you the opportunity to solidify your place in line to be able to enjoy this trip. Anybody thank God you serve an amazing God today. Stand with me, if you would, all over this house. We are grateful for the moving of the Holy Ghost that has so powerfully uh, been in this service already. And how many of you have been 
absolutely blessed by the ministry of our evangelist, Brother Phillips, over the past several weeks. Come on, how many of you have been blessed? First Lady and I were out of town fulfilling some obligations uh, this past week, and we were able to tune into the service Tuesday night. And I'm going to tell you what, while the Holy Ghost was moving in this house, First Lady and I were, were filling the Holy Ghost in our hotel room across the country. And uh, I thank God for what a word that God brought to us on Tuesday night. Amen. Tell your neighbor, if he goes, I'll go. Come on, tell your other neighbor, the one that's awake, tell him, if he goes, I'll go. Does anybody feel that way this morning? Are you ready to see where God wants to take us in this service today? Would you clap your hands one more time and give God a great big praise? Come on, all over this house as Brother Phillips comes to deliver the word to us today. Come on, Brother Phillips. Come on, somebody magnify Jesus in this place today. Worship him, exalt him, lift him up. He's a worthy God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, we could leave right now and say that we have felt the presence of the Lord and undoubtedly I believe that somebody could come back on Tuesday night and say I got a miracle on Sunday morning at the Rock Church. However, I do want to obey the Lord today and want to deliver my heart and what I feel like the Lord has laid on me for this service, the book of Psalms chapter 56, Psalms chapter 56, verse 1, while you're turning there, I want to say again what an honor and a privilege it is to stand in this sacred desk with the wonderful people of God here today, give honor to your wonderful pastor, first lady, and this first family, whom I love very much. You've heard me say it many times, and it's because it's true. Brother Williams is my friend. He's my brother, and I love them so very much, and I am honored, honored to be in revival in this church at this season, at this moment of time. And I just believe that uh, the best is yet to come, and we're moving forward. We're going higher. We're going deeper. We're going to see God do bigger things than we've ever seen him do before. How many believe that today? Amen. Amen. Now, I do want to just give a little disclaimer here. If you're following along uh, via the screen, you're not going to see this. Um, but in Psalms chapter 56, David gives this title, a, or this, this psalm a title. And in the writings of Psalms 56, before verse 1, if you look in your, your Bible, you will see that this is kind of a, an address, if you will, that David gives before he writes this song. It says, to the chief musician upon the Jonath Elam Rokokum. Look at somebody ask him, what is that? To the chief musician upon the Jonath Elam Rokokum that says the mishnah of David and then it lets us know where he was and what he was doing. It says when the Philistines had taken him in Gath. And so we're going to 
undoubtedly we're going to talk about it more in depth, but I want to give you the brief. I'll tell you what, let's read first. He then goes on to say, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Anybody ever felt like that? Mine enemies would swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me. Anybody ever felt like that? Be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Ooh, well, that'll preach right there by itself. Undoubtedly, I will explain this more at length in the short time to come, but as David is giving this address uh, at the beginning, this word, it's the only place in Scripture that it's found, the word Jonath Elam Rokokam. And it is translated as the silent dove or the dumb dove in a strange land or a distant land, depending on how you choose to translate it. And you're, if you're reading from a Spanish Bible today, you'll actually see that, that translation is there. But since I'm no better than David, by, and matter of fact, I probably fall short of him, but uh, I, I don't know if I can title this better than what David did. And so we're just going to title it what David titled it. And I want to preach to us today about the dumb dove in a distant land. The dumb dove in a distant land. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands to heaven and worshiping the Lord with me? God, we love you. We thank you. Come on, somebody help me pray. Don't just go through the formality, but help me pray in the Holy Ghost. Jesus, we need you right now. We need you to help us. God, we need your strength and your might. We're asking you, Lord, right now, have your way in this house. Uh, we're believing you, Lord, for the miraculous today. Let there be miracle signs and wonders that fall in this house. God, let somebody leave here with the gift of the Holy Ghost, heaven and speaking in other tongues. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Oh, would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody worship him. Somebody give him glory. Come on, he's worthy of our praise. I think we can do a little bit better than that on Sunday morning. You've danced, you've shouted, but why don't you just let it come from your heart right now and give Jesus the praise that he deserves. Come on, if he saved you, if he delivered you, if he made a way where there was no way, Come on, if he turned your darkness into day, give him praise, give him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ma'am, you may be seated as long as you promise to help me preach. Amen. We see very clearly from the title of this psalm that David wrote this psalm while he was imprisoned in Gath. David has been fleeing Saul, the one that in my opinion should be parading him in the streets, the one that should be talking about his heroic actions. Saul, the man that David has went to battle for and has fought, if you'll allow me to put it like this, has fought Saul's giant. Now he has become jealous of David and has ran him from the country. David runs to Gath, and Gath 
the king Achish has put him in prison and he is under the pressure of his advisors to put David to death. After all, this is the man that killed their champion Goliath. This is the man that they have sang their songs. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. This is the man that they sing in the streets of his actions for Israel. And this is the man that has caused us so much grief as Philistines. And so they finally have him under uh, lock and key. And again, Achish is under the uh, under influence from his advisors to put David to death. David is in a bad place. This is not a place that David would seemingly rejoice from, but this is a place of uncomfort. David is in prison. Now, I will just pause here for a moment and challenge you to understand that maybe sometimes you're not fighting hell because of what you're doing wrong, but maybe you're fighting hell because of what you're doing right. I say, preacher, that's pretty cliche. I understand that today, but it's a very simple revelation that I don't think some of us have. David was not locked up and put in prison because of what he had done wrong. David was put in prison because of what he had done right. David was being tortured because he was a warrior. David was being tortured because uh, he was a giant slayer. David uh, was put in prison because the Philistines uh, were afraid of David becoming who he already was anointed to be. Can I tell somebody today that the devil's fighting you on every side because he sees the potential of a giant slayer that's inside of you. And you may have only killed one giant in your life, but Achish and Gath know that if we let them out, this won't be the last giant that they kill. If we let them free, this won't be the last victim victory that they win. If we let them out of the depression, this won't be the last time that they dance and run the aisle. I know you're fighting hell, honey, but let me just tell you something. You're fighting it because the devil knows you're on the winning side. You're fighting hell because the devil knows that there's destiny inside of you. You're fighting hell because the devil knows that there's victory in your future and he wants to keep you away from the destiny of victory that God has for you. Don't you be discouraged. Don't you be dismayed. Understand that God has a destiny of victory for you. The devil wants to imprison you because he's been hearing the victory that you've been having. The devil wants to stop you because he's been hearing about how much joy you've been walking in. The devil doesn't want you running the aisles because he knows that every time you run the aisles, you're running towards your victory. He don't want you dancing because he knows every time you dance, you're dancing towards your breakthrough. He don't want you leaping because he knows every time you leap, you're leaping for the joy that you haven't experienced yet. He don't... 
Jesus. Uh, I, I know some of y'all still sleeping, but I feel like preaching on Sunday morning uh, and telling you the prison that you're in is not permanent, uh, but the prison that you're in uh, is the result uh, of the victory that's in your future that hell is trying to stop you from. Can I tell you tonight uh, that when you got that prophetic word from God uh, that you were going to be the head and not the tail, uh, that the devil heard that too, and he's trying everything he can uh, to stop you from walking in the prophetic voice uh, of God that he has for your life. He heard it when he said uh, that you were going to be able to write a check to pay for the building. Uh, the devil heard it when he said uh, that you were going to live in victory over depression and anxiety uh, and he's doing everything he can uh, to keep you from the prophetic utterances uh, that have been spoken over your life. So David is in prison. Would you imagine with me yourself in David's position? As David is panting for breath. He comes into this Philistine hub of Gath where history records that approximately 10,000 Philistine soldiers are stationed most of the time through the life of Gath and Philistines command. David is panting for breath as he is running from Saul. They subdue him. They put him under lock and key while they review his case. And now David is sitting on a cot in a prison cell and he begins to wonder, is this it? Is this the end? Is it over? Is this my last days on earth? David has seen victories, but I, I just wonder if David thought for a moment as he is listening through the barred windows as they begin to chant, kill him, kill him, kill him. I'm talking about a man that has caused much trouble for the Philistines and now he is finally in their hands and David walks back to his cot and picks up a piece of chalk and a piece of stone and he begins to write a letter to the, the sons of Korah. He begins to write uh, what he calls a mystem of David. This word mystem literally means to cut or engrave. I, I'm not preaching yet. I'm going to preach here in a minute. I'm not, I'm not screaming. Don't tar, start my time till I start screaming. But, but, but this mystem is a moment that David, he's saying, I want you to cut this. I want you to engrave it. it it's, the same, it's the same spirit that Job had when he said, oh, that my words would be written with an iron pen in stone. David uh, considers what he is about to say of the utmost. Uh, most importance and he and so we find the here we find the subject matter for this service today again this word when he writes a mystem he is telling you this is important and he uses a word that is only used one time in our Bible he writes upon the Jonath Elam Rokokum or the dumb dove in a distant land and after much study, all I can find to describe this word is that it was the tune to a very familiar Hebrew song. When you begin to sing, or if you will allow me to use my imagination, when the harpers put you in a certain key, played a certain intro, 
Everyone in the kingdom understood that we're fixing to sing the Jonas Elam Rokokum in our culture today. It would be somewhat like amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You can start singing amazing grace and it doesn't matter if it's the drunk on the bar stool or the mother that's been in church her whole life. They understand that this is the song we're getting ready to sing. And so it was with this song, the Jonah Elam Rokokum. It was a song of familiarity. It was a song that they used often. And so David begins to write on this song and he, 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 he starts singing uh, to him. He starts singing to the tune of this song. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. And I, I'm going to take my time today. I apologize. I've, I've got a long way to go, but I, I hope you'll stay with me. But, but this is David correlating himself to this dove in the song. And we'll get to some of that here in a moment. And David is simply saying here, man has put me in captivity. Man has swallowed me. Up. He says, be merciful unto me, O God. In plain English, David just said, God, have mercy. I know you ain't never been in a bind where that's all you had to say. But I just tell you, in, in Walthall County where I live, I've had some days where all I could say was, Lord, have mercy. I, I, I don't know how to deal with this. That's, that's where David was. Lord, have mercy. He said, for man would swallow me up many there be that fight against me. But what I have failed to reveal up unto this point is that the Joan of Elam Rokokum is not a song of depression or sadness. It isn't a song about the of the death, a, a dove that dies. But somewhere one day I was, I was in a bookstore and I found a book of ancient Hebrew songs and it just so happened that they allude to this. And in, in this book I found out it's the only place that I've been able to uh, re actually research and understand what the song was about. But in this song they did not have the words but they have the idea of the song. And the idea of the song is that this bird is captured and when he is captured from captivity he is brought into a store to be sold and because he is now in captivity he cannot sing his song anymore so the title of the song the dumb dove in the distant land it was a dove that was free it was a dove that was able to fly and sing but now he has been captured and put into captivity and now because he's in captivity he cannot sing his song anymore. Now because he's in captivity there is no reason for him to wake up and sing the song that God anointed him to sing. But there is something that happens throughout this song as it goes from verse 1 to verse 2 as this dove has been captured. Someone purchases the dove and thank God it wasn't a redneck because if it was, we wouldn't read about him. He'd have went home and ate him, but that ain't what happened. He, the, But in the song, after he is purchased, uh, he is taken to a field and he is released to sing his song again. So this song is very bleak and very dark when it begins because it's talking about someone that has been free and is in captivity. But by the end of this song, this bird is freed and it could sing again. So as David follow me today is sitting here and he is correlating himself to the 
dumb dove in a distant land. He begins to hum this song while he is in captivity. He writes this while he is in prison and something begins to shift in David's world. David is in captivity like the dove was in captivity. But David begins to sing a song of deliverance. It was a familiar song of deliverance. It was a song that people understood when he begins to sing this where the song was going. Everybody in the kingdom understood that David, like the dove, was in captivity right now. But while he is in captivity, he's singing towards a release. And I don't know. Ooh, I feel my help already. I don't know, but I wonder if David's pessimism started turning to optimism. I wonder if David started thinking about every battle that he had been in and God had brought him out. David, again, he's correlating himself. He's in prison like the dove was in prison. But he knows the end of the song that the dove's going to be freed. And while David is still sitting in a prison cell, he starts singing a song of deliverance. I've just come to tell somebody today that while you're sitting in the prison cell, you have every right in the Holy Ghost uh, to start singing the song of the dumb dove uh, in a distant land. Uh, everything might be bad right now. Uh, everything might be turning against you right now. Uh, but I've come to preach to somebody on a Sunday morning uh, that you need to sing a familiar song uh, of deliverance. Uh, you need to sing the song that brought you through uh, and brought you over before. Uh, I'm telling you if God has ever made a way for you uh, on a Sunday morning, he can do it again on this Sunday morning. If God has ever brought you out before in the late in the midnight hour let me just tell you friend he can do it again even today. You've got to get it made up in your mind. I'm not going to sit in the prison cell and cry but I'm going to sing my song. Again, I want you to remember that this song is written while David is in Gath. But if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 21, you will see in, in, in verse 13 what David does. The Bible says that he changed his behavior before them. And he feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the door of the gate and let the spittle fall down upon his beard. Now there's something interesting about the scripture because this word mad we think of as crazy. We think that David has lost his mind. But again, you've got to go to the original text and you've got to find exactly what's being said here. Uh, it, it's the only place, Bishop, that the word mad is used like this in Scripture. When you look at it in the Hebrew text, it literally says he feigned him, he changed his behavior before them and he, and he feigned himself halal, which is one of the seven Hebrew words for worship. So if you'll let me put it how it's actually said there. It said David was in captivity. He gets called out by the king and David changed his behavior before them. What do you mean? He went from crying about how bad it was and he feigned himself as a worshiper until they thought he until they thought he was crazy. David's been locked up, tied up, tangled up, nowhere to go, nobody to talk to, nobody to bring him out. But the moment he walked out of his prison cell and he got in front of the king, he... 
He started worshiping. He feigned himself mad. I wish there'd be somebody today that while the devil has you in jail, you just start acting like you're crazy. I haven't lost my mind, but I've lost my sense of pride. And now I'm a praiser, even in the prison cell. Now I'm a praiser, even while everything's going wrong. Y'all waiting for me to get to the good part. I'm already there, baby. You need to understand that it's your time to sing your song. It's your time to come out of the prison cell of the prison and just start singing. It's your time to come out of the prison cell of anxiety and just start singing. Just start dancing. Just start praying. I, I read something behind a theologian recently that made me just, ooh, it made me want to shout and run the house. Because <laughs> it says that he scribbled on the doors of the gate. Now, we know what David wrote while he was in the prison cell. But I wonder if in Psalms chapter 56, if he gets on down a little bit further, and could it be that this is what he wrote on the, on the gates of the city. There are historians and theologians that suggest that while David wrote, be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up, he wrote that in prison. But in verse 10, they say that this is what he wrote on the gates of the city. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. He said, I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. You know what he was doing? He was looking at Achish and saying, Achish, you couldn't kill me if you wanted to. I'm not afraid of what man can do because I got a God. He went on to say, thy fowls are upon me, O God. David said, I got a promise that's on my life so Achish can cuss, Achish can holler, Achish can be mad, but Achish can't stop the promises of God that are on my life. Thy fowls are upon me, O God. I come to tell somebody on a Sunday morning that you got a promise on your life and if the devil could have killed you, he would have done it a long time ago. But thy fowls I, I just feel like telling somebody that ain't even in the church. This is your first time here. You, you've been visiting churches in Fort Myers trying to find something that fit where you were. He already said it. Welcome home. Because the reason that you're here today is because God had a promise on you. And when the devil said he'd take you out in that drunk driving accident, God said, no, they have not met their appointed time. When the devil said, I'm gonna make sure they get hit in the drive-by, God said, no, I'll send an angel of the Lord to catch the bullet and it'll hit all around you. But it ain't gonna hit you because I've got a vow that is upon you. I will render praises unto thee. David said, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Will thou not deliver my feet from falling? That I may 
walk before God in the light of the living. What David was simply saying is, I've been through dangers. I've been through storms. I've been through the rain, but God kept me. I've seen the lion. I've seen the bear. I've killed Goliath, a hundred Philistines for the hand of a woman. And God kept me through all of that. And now I might be in prison, but I'm gonna sing the song of deliverance. I'm gonna sing the song of victory. I'm gonna sing the song that says my God has brought me this far. And if he brought me this far, he's gonna take me all the way. I can't talk about it without talking about how God, the great deliverer, has made a way time and time again for the people of Israel. Like when they were trapped at the Red Sea. If Sister Shirley was here, she'd say, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Some of y'all too young to know that. Oh, on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Yeah, we ain't got nowhere to go. You can ask the 5,000 hungry souls he fed. She was just saying like we say today, if he did it before. Say, you say that a lot, it's because he keeps on doing it a lot. See, every time you get up and preach on Sunday morning, you're talking about how good God been this week because God keeps on being good. You keep on talking about how God's a deliverer. It's because he keeps on delivering. I don't understand, Bishop, why you got to always say, uh, I, don't, I don't understand why you got to always dance. I don't, always, I don't understand why you always run it because God keeps on doing uh, what God does. God keeps on showing up. God keeps on making a way. God keeps on opening doors. God keeps on fighting my battles. God keeps going before me. God, he keeps healing. He keeps delivering. He keeps making a way where there was no way. I, I, I don't get it. See, but when you get the revelation of the dumb dove in a distant land, the familiar tone of deliverance, you'll understand why Bishop gets up in the pulpit and he starts talking about the goodness of God. And it's not real long before he starts saying something like, when I think about Jesus, what is done for me? When I think about Jesus, how he set me free. See, you don't understand that unless you've been through something. And, and I know some of y'all get tired of hearing him singing, but you know what that is? That's his dumb dove in a distant land. That's his song that says, I've been through some stuff. God brought me out. God brought me. Baby, if you think I'm going to stop giving him praise now, you lost your mind. He keeps on making a way out of no way. Uh, 
We got a runner. Somebody don't let that man run by himself. It don't make sense to do this on Sunday morning. You're supposed to be calm, cool, and collective, baby. I can't be calm, cool, and collective. He set me free. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. When I look back where I've been, and I know that God's been good to I gotta sing my song. I gotta sing my song. He's a God that just keeps on delivering his people. He's a God that just keeps on paying bills. He's a God that just keeps on healing cancer. Won't he do it? He's a God that just keeps on causing what should have taken me out to only elevate me to the place that God wants me to. Why wouldn't I sing? David has a revelation. And so he don't wait till he gets out of jail. Till he starts singing a song of deliverance. He starts singing the song while he's still in jail. I, I, I can't talk about it without talking about people of God that were in captivity. Or they were getting ready to fight a battle rather. Jehoshaphat came out against Moab and Ammon. And the Bible says that the anointing of God fell upon a man in the congregation. He started to prophesy. And while God was giving direction, he said, set the praisers out front. Well, I don't know why at that church everybody always gets up and runs to the front. It's Bible. He said, put the praisers out front. And the Bible, now I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. Oh, help me, Jesus. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat appointed singers. That means Jehoshaphat got to pick them. And when God said, you put the praisers out front, do you think for one moment that Bishop Jehoshaphat said, well, you know what? You've been crying because you ain't been used in six months. And so we're going to let you sing a special. Or do you think he found the wildest crap? I mean, their life's dependent on this. You think Jehoshaphat found somebody that while he was preaching, they didn't say amen? You, you think that Jehoshaphat found somebody that when he said, pick them up and put them down, they just stood there like a bump on a log? Uh-uh. No, our life depends on this. And if my life depends on a worshiper, I'm going to find the wildest worshiper I can find. Hey, baby, don't get offended when nobody asks you to lead a song when you ain't dancing six months. Don't get mad when they don't ask you to be an usher when you've been sitting there looking like you've been sucking on pickles for the last six weeks. That got to be... If I need a word, I need somebody that ain't afraid to get up from the place that they're in and give God praise.
I, I, I don't know if we should be acting like that, baby. How else are we supposed to act? I don't know if we should be acting like that at church. When you come to church, you're supposed to be all put together. No, that's how you acted when you were... Jesus, that's why you acted when you were full of pride and, and full of yourself. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I've come to worship somebody today that's bigger than me and stronger than me and more mighty than me. I've got to give him praise. He appointed singers. And this is what they sang they should get together in the congregation and they sang praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever now I understand I'm going to give you Bible for this I understand David said sing unto the Lord a new song and I love new songs I love new songs Bishop, though, I love new songs. I love new songs. But you know when David said, sing unto the Lord a new song? David said, sing unto the Lord a new song after he got out of prison. That's when it's time to start trying stuff you ain't ever tried before. Baby, while you in prison, you need to try stuff you know works. This was a song. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Did you know that that scripture or that song had been recorded over 33 times in scripture at this point? When they came and said, open up the song books. I thank God we don't sing out of the song book no more. I ain't gonna lie to you. I don't even like them things. All they good for is throwing. Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm getting in trouble. Lord, help me. I gotta preach my way out of it. I know where I'm at today. I'm comfortable. <laughs> they said, open your song book, the song chapter. I don't know what number it was, but everybody got in the same key and everybody started singing together. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. This was a song from way back. This was one of them old school songs that brought them through and brought them over. And baby, when they started singing their song, God started combating the enemy for them. And all of a sudden, Moab and Ammon started turning on one another. All of a sudden, it was brother against brother, swordsman against swordsman. The people that come out to fight against God started fighting against one another because somebody started singing a song that had brought them through and brought them right now I feel like somebody finna get free in the Holy Ghost. I feel like somebody finna start singing while you're in prison cell and the chains are gonna start rattling. When David gets out of prison, 
he writes this song I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make her boast in the Lord the humble shall hear thereof and be glad he went on to say oh magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together wait 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 don't shout yet watch this is the equivalent of the new testament where paul and silas in prison and everybody's bands were loose because in psalms chapter 56 david says me but here david says we he says oh magnify the lord with me letting me know bishop that David wasn't the only one in prison that got set free. Can I tell you when you start singing your song and somebody knows you've been depressed and they know you're dealing with anxiety, but they sing your, they hear you singing your song, it starts doing something to them. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. Y'all stop helping me preach so good. We gonna, we gonna be here all day. Ain't going to be no food left at Popeye's. God help us. I can't preach about it, but God have mercy. I want to preach three hours right now. But I, I, I just can't preach about it without preaching about a man by the name of Solomon. Anybody know who Solomon was? That was David's son. Solomon grew up in the household of a man that wrote songs and sang songs. And because David was such a songwriter and a singer, don't you think it would be just natural that Solomon would hear some of his daddy's songs that he sang? Doesn't it make sense? Because when I, I could just picture Bathsheba, and she's she's went three weeks with no sleep, and the baby's crying, little baby Solomon's crying. And she says, David, I'm about to lose my mind. You better take this boy for I heard him. I ain't slept in three weeks. And so David picks up little baby Solomon and he's walking through the palace and he's done. Shushed him, hushed little baby, all that stuff. You know what you do to babies when they, you don't know what else to do? You sing to them. And if you remember, I promise you, you can go back to that song your mama or daddy used to sing to you when you was a baby. I remember when I was, when I was little, my mama would always say, there's just something about the name. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. But there's something about that name. That's what she used to rock me to sleep with. So I, 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 I understand because I've been there that Solomon had a recollection of what his daddy had sang. And so Solomon starts writing his own song. We have a book in our Bible called The Song of Solomon. Give me uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 10, but don't put it up there yet. Well, you know what? Go ahead. Let's, let, let's start with verse 9. Start with verse 9. Second, uh, Solomon chapter 2, verse 9. Yeah, there we go. My, this is the Song of Solomon. Does anybody know what the purpose of the Song of Solomon's for? It's to correlate God's love for his church. So this is a song between the bride and the groom. 
And when the groom, the bride start talking, he, she's, she's singing right here. And this is the part of Song of Solomon that can get kind of, uh, it, it, can, it can be messed up a little bit and muddled. But like Song of Solomon, it, it's, it's the only place where it says, I am the lily of the valley. Anybody know? That's the only place in scripture. But do you know that that's not the groom talking, that's the bride talking? So we made songs about God being the lily of the valley that aren't even accurate because the church is the lily of the valley. Go study it, you'll find out. That was free, that didn't cost you nothing. But she says, my beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the window, showing himself through the lattice, verse 10. My beloved spake and said unto me, so here's the transition. Now it's the husbandman talking. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Verse 11. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and is gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Now, a simple Google search will tell you that turtles don't talk. So in the original translation here, you have to understand what he literally says. It's the voice of the turtle dove. God, I feel like preaching. You have to understand this Shulamite woman, who she is and what she's been dealing with. She's been in captivity. Her brothers have caused her to do the work of a slave. She has been in bondage to her own family. The ones that were supposed to love her have put her into slavery. And now this guy has showed up and told her, I want to purchase you. I want to pay the ransom for you. I want to get you out of this. And when he begins to talk, Solomon is here correlating with what his daddy used to sing. He says the song of the dumb dove, the voice of the turtle dove is heard again in our land. Again, he is referencing back to what his daddy referenced. You were in captivity, but you're getting be ready to be made free. This woman's been in bondage, but he says, I'm about to purchase you. I'm about to pull you out of your captivity. I've come to tell somebody today, I hear the voice of the turtle in the land. I hear the voice of of the dove that's been in captivity. I, I've been. I'm done, I promise. I'm done, but Noah sends out a dove. I, I don't have time to preach it pretty. Can I just give you the blood and guts? You go home and put skin on it later. But Noah sends out a dove. This dove returned. He sends it out again, it never comes back. That dove, I believe, is a spiritual symbolism of when Jesus comes and John baptizes him. He said, I saw the dove come down. That's that same dove. I believe you can, you can preach this how you want to. You'll preach it way better than I'm preaching it right now. But he said, I saw the spirit ascend on Jesus like as of a dove. And in order to understand where we're going right here, you have to understand that Leviticus chapter 13 is a place that deals with leprosy and people that are in bondage, leprosy is a type and a shadow of sin, they are in bondage to sin. And when, when there is sin or leprosy is cleansed, there is a process that has to happen. You have to come to church and bring two doves. One is to be slain and he's going to be, his blood's gonna be drained and he's gonna be sacrificed on an altar. 
That's the silent dove. The Bible says that when Jesus went before all the politics of the politicians that day, when they began to try him, that they asked him, they said, are you the king? And he answered them, not a word. This is the first dove in Leviticus chapter 13 that gets slain. Then, when leprosy is cleansed, the second dove is to be washed in the blood of the first dove and with the water that was running. And then he's to be released into the field to sing his song again, quite literally. This is a type and a shadow of the death of Jesus. He was the silent dove. He died for the purpose of what? To cleanse sin, to cleanse leprosy. And so that you can take the blood of the first dove and take the second dove and wash him with water. That's a type of baptism. Let me tell you, if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, it's a part of salvation. You have to wash the second dove with the blood of the first dove. That's the blood of Jesus. And with fresh running water. That's a type of baptism. And then that bird is released to sing and soul again. That's where we get to Acts when Jesus said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. The song that the dove sings, I've come to preach to you today, that is quite literally what happens when you begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance for the first time. First dove's murdered. The second dove is washed in the blood then washed in the water, and then he's given a song. See, for those of you that don't think it's, it's essential that you got to speak in tongues, I've just showed you it's even in the Old Testament in types and shadows. And what God was trying to show you is that I have a gift for you that's going to change your world. But all you've got to do to be able to sing this song, the song of the dumb dove in a distant land, is get covered in the blood of Jesus. How do I do that? I repent of my sins. Come on, stand with me. I'm done preaching. You repent of your sins. You tell God you're sorry for everything you've ever done. And you make a 180 and walk away from the things that you used to do. You plead the blood of Jesus over you. Then you get baptized in Jesus' name. You can have that here today. And then there is a promise that ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the song of the dumb dove in a distant land. That's the song of somebody that's been in captivity but is being released to sing their song. I'm done, I'm done, but we got a new culture here at, at the Rock Church. I'm just gonna help the visitors out for a moment. We got a culture that we've, we've shifted and that's at the end of service. Everybody gets out of their pew and you don't have to walk all the way to the front, but you need to walk somewhere. And what's the purpose of that? You're walking out of that cage that you've been in and you're getting ready to sing your song. So well, that don't make much sense not make sense right now but just just humor me for a moment and let me challenge you to step seat where you're at right now and walk towards the front walk out in the aisle and lift your hands and ask God to cover you with the blood from Calvary and wash you with the water of the word and watch and see if God won't bring you out of the captivity that you've been in come on it's time for you to learn to sing your song come on you've been in captivity 
it's time for you to lift up your voice and sing your song. Come on, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's for you today. Would you lift your hands and begin to pray? God wants to fill you. God wants to change you. Come on, everybody, pray with somebody. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you ought to just reach over and get the person next to you. Come on, get them by the hand. Come on, get them by the hand. You can receive the song today. Come on, I have a song that the angels cannot sing. That's it, that's it, lift your voice. Come on, that's it, lift your voice. Come on, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Give me a song to sing. Come on, give me a song to sing. That's right, the weight has been lifted. Yeah. 